The Bible says, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when you find it, if you'd like, you can stand. We're going to begin with verse number 14 and terminate at verse number 19. The Bible says, Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle, Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Is that in your Bible? And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and of the sons of the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. I'm going to read down to verse 22. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when uh, they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. And when they began singing, and when they began singing, and when they began singing and praising, when, 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 when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, so they were routed or struck down. I want to talk about, you may be seated, worshiping into war. Worshiping into war. When we read the text in order to appreciate 
the gravy, we need to understand the historical meat of the text. Here we have the king of Judah, and this was during the time of the divided kingdom of Israel and Judah, Judah being the southern kingdom and Israel being the northern kingdom. And here at the time, the king of Judah, where Jerusalem was, was Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat uh, was uh, one of the better kings of Judah, and uh, Jehoshaphat was a king that did not make any big bones about going to God. He was a king that did not hesitate to consult with God when he was in a fix. He was a king, even though dressed in his royal attire, even though having the credentials of the king, he was, even though he was a man of authority, even though he was a man of power, he had no big bones and he made no big deal and he did not hesitate to run before the Lord his God and say he did not know what to do. If there's one thing in these uncertain times that we as the people of God and we as leaders of God need to be honest about, and that is being honest about when you don't know what to do. As a matter of fact, not knowing what to do is the posture that pleases God, that, that allures God's sight when we come before God in a state of helplessness, in a state where we have realized that we are, are dried up of our resources and dried up of our wit and dried up of our know-how. This is the kind of posture that God gets glory from. Jehoshaphat was in a fix because there were some other nations who had rose up against him in the beginning of this chapter the Bible says it was the Ammonites or the children or the sons of Ammon and the sons of Moab and the sons of the Menunites, otherwise known as Mount Seir, who had made war against Jehoshaphat. Now I need you to understand what war is. What war is, it is the cause of battle. What war is, is conflict. And what often happens when there is war is that war always causes or trigger off battle. Battles take place in war. I call this worshiping into war because I want it to be specific that this is not worshiping into battle. This is worshiping into war. This is not worshiping into what war produces. This is worshiping into war. And in a moment, you're going to know more clearly and succinctly what uh, I'm, I'm referring to. But the Bible says that the sons of Ammon and the sons of Moab and, and the Menunites came up against Jehoshaphat. And the Bible says in verse number 2 that Jehoshaphat heard the news and got the report that a great multitude was coming against him beyond the sea out of Aram. And the Bible says that verse number 3 that he was afraid. He turned his attention to seek the Lord. In verses 1 through verse 4, you have a king that seeks the Lord with the people of Judah. The Bible says they did not hesitate to seek the Lord for help. 
And there's something that we need to really embrace in this season, that this is the season now to seek God. This is not the season to do business as usual with a face mask and six feet of separation. This is the season to seek the Lord, to seek the Lord while he may be found, and to seek him in a way where we're willing to move any obstruction between us and God. Seeking the Lord. What, what does it mean that they sought the Lord? Does it mean that God was lost? Absolutely not. It meant that they were in pursuit of his manifest presence. Oh, I need to tell you, this is not suggesting that God was just hidden, that he hid himself, and wasn't suggesting that God was absent. What it was is they were seeking the manifestation of God's presence. It wasn't them just seeking the Lord to talk to him. They wanted, the, they wanted God to show up in this situation. There are a lot of people seeking a lot of things in this period. They're seeking the advice of doctors and they're seeking the advice of politicians and they're seeking the advice of ABC and NBC and Fox and CNN. But I've come to tell you, if you are a child of God, whenever you're in trouble, before you seek the advice of Facebook, uh, Instagram, or a friend, or a politician, or a news network, we ought to readily prepare ourselves and posture ourselves when in trouble to seek the Lord. Because it doesn't matter if anybody else shows up if their presence can't make a difference. And I'm here to tell you that Jehoshaphat began seeking the Lord like, like, like you do when you worship all the time and you pray all the time, but a new situation arises in your life. You want God's manifest presence. You want, you want his assurance or the assurance of his intervention. So he prays in verse 5 down to verse number 13. And he reminds God, not as if God needed any reminding, but he basically tells God, this is what's going on. Those folk who we let go, that our ancestors let go, and you need to understand that the sons of Am the Ammonites and the Moabites and the, and, and the Menunites, they were allowed to maintain their stance in the wilderness as the children of Israel were going through. And so they were left alone. And now, years and generations later, the group of people who God told the children of Israel to leave alone as they were passing in the wilderness, their descendants come up. Because here's the reality. Sometimes the trouble we're dealing with now is not trouble from our generation. Sometimes we're dealing with the trouble from three generations ago. I wish I was taught, I wish somebody out there can relate and can testify that sometimes the trouble you're dealing with today, the enemies that you're dealing with today, the demons that you're dealing with today are not from your generation. They were not born in your time. They were born three, four, five generations ago. And isn't it amazing that the things that someone leaves alone five generations ago can trouble their children five generations later. 
Jehoshaphat said, Lord, <laughs> these are the ones you said let go of. And now the same ones, their, their children, their sons, their generation, they are now threatening to harm us. I want you to look in verse number 10. He says, and now, and we got readers, uh, let me involve the readers. The Bible says in verse number 10 of chapter 20, what does it say? And now, and be now, behold the children of Ammon. Look at the children of Ammon. And Moab. And Moab. And Mount Seir. Read. Whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade. You didn't let Israel invade them. When they came out of the land of Egypt, uh -huh. but they turned from them Read. and destroyed them not. Uh -huh. Behold, I say how they reward us uh -huh. to come to cast us out of thy possession, uh -huh. which thou uh, hast given us to inherit. Yeah. Our, oh, our God. Yeah. Will thou not What are you going to do about it, God? Will thou not judge well, them? Well, 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 first of all, the premise is this is what seeking God looks like for Jehoshaphat. You see, when you seek the Lord, it might help if you know a little something about what he promises. It may help if you know a little something about what he says you're entitled to, not because of yourself, but because of his promise. If we have any entitlement at all, it isn't because of our worthiness, but it will always be because of what God said. And because God never breaks his promise and it's true to his word, if God says something, then we are entitled to it, not because of us, but because of his word. He says, and you're not going to do anything and judge them. Here we are, your people. And then he lays out before God while seeking his face, his level of powerlessness. It's amazing how you can be in an inescapable fix and still posture yourself and ourselves with the arrogance of having power. How could you boast in front of a giant that's four times bigger than you? I think the first step to seeking God's face is recognizing that you are not formidable to what you're facing. Recognizing your own powerlessness, recognizing that you don't know what to do. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what your position is. It doesn't matter what your position is in the church. Be you evangelist, be you elder, deacon, or minister. There are times in your life, and everything's not about COVID-19. There are times in your very life where you don't know what to do, yet you are in a position that seems like you should have the end. Mountain View, I'm here to tell you, and all of you watching, I'm here to tell you that through this thing, I didn't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Now, we like to be smart, and we like to be up to date and keep up with the news and keep up with the latest statistics, but at the end of the day, we've never seen a giant like this before. We've never been in a position like this before, and it's just not one thing. It's not just Ammon. It's Moab. It's Mount Seir. You don't get it. It, it's just not COVID-19. It's the economy. It's the politicians. It's all of it is con 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 conveying on us and 
and converging on us and we don't know what to do. Sometimes I've learned you got to pray like a kid. Oh, I wish I had a witness in here. I know we too grown and we sophisticated and we got it all together, but God would allow you to be in some situations where you pray like a kid. I'm saying situations where you posture yourself like a little boy before the throne of God. Here, Jehoshaphat was a king praying like a kid seeking the Lord's face. He says, we're powerless. We, we, we have no resolve on how we're going to get out of this. We don't know what to do, but look at the bottom of verse 12. Yeah. Go on and read that. But our eyes are upon Wait a minute, this. we're powerless? <laughs> we don't know what to do. Thank you, Bishop. We... We've never seen this before. We're not prepared. But one thing we do have going for us. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have a good time in here by myself. I'm learning. I'm learning. This thing is teaching me. I, it, it unhitched me from the vocalized amen. You got to come with your own amen in your spirit. But he said, look, look. He said, this one thing I got. I may not have know-how. I may not have strength. We don't have it. Prowess, we don't have it. Wisdom in order to know how to move, we don't have it. But one thing we have is that our eyes are on you. And we've been looking at everything in this season. And we got to be careful that while we're looking at all of the things that are reminding us of how powerless we are, that we do like Jehoshaphat and say, I know we're powerless. I know we don't know what to do. But one thing we have is that our eyes are on you, God. In other words, you'll move. We can't move. You'll move. So Je Jehoshaphat is praying. Now watch this. Here it goes. Jehoshaphat is praying. And if we were writing the story and if we were in the narrative, we'd want God to respond to us directly. I'm saying the prayer, I should get the response directly. But look what God does in verse number 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in so the midst of the congregation. Look, look how God chooses to answer or respond to Jehoshaphat. He doesn't go to the king's right-hand men. He doesn't go to the king's wife. He doesn't go to one of the officials in the king's court. He uses a Levite. 
You need to see this. See, see, what, see, in order to understand the significance of this, you would need to understand that the Levites, when it came to the children of Israel, were responsible for leading worship. He, he see, see, sometimes, sometimes who God answers through is as significant as his answer. Jehoshaphat was saying, we don't know, we're powerless, our eyes are on you. And the Spirit of the Lord falls on a Levite named Jehaziel. That means all of a sudden, somebody talks and addresses this who might have been not the most expected person to say something. I mean, I mean, I mean, today it would have been a shut up and sing situation. <laughs> no, 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 don't, 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 don't get, don't, don't miss my point. What the Levites did is they were servants of the people. They were the ones who led worship. They were the ones that manned the temple, the temple and the tabernacle. But God was basically saying two messages. He was going to give a message through Jehaziel, but the fact that he chose Jehaziel, a Levite, someone who was part of the group that led worship was as if God was saying the answer that I'm giving you is going to come from the soil of worship. Jehaziel speaks and he said, listen all Judah. Jehaziel is not a prophet. He's part of the Levites. As a matter of fact, He's a descendant of Asaph. If you read the book of Psalms, some of the very Psalms that we read about are from the sons of Asaph. And the Bible says that he says this message. He says, listen, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord, first of all, do not fear or be dismayed. I'm going to tell you something, one of the things that sickened me through this process is when people try to substitute or decorate fear as caution. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Uh, Brother Preacher, be careful, you're about, to mess, you're about to mess up here. No, I'm not about to mess up. Yeah, be cautious. But when you're cautious, what more can you do? And some people get agitated and frustrated because of your cautious confidence. Yeah, it's going to get quiet off in here on, in Facebook land. See, being cautious doesn't mean being afraid. Being cautious doesn't mean having anxiety. You can be cautious and confident at the same time. And here they were in a real situation. This was not a figment of imagination. Ammon, the Moabites, might see were there. They were approaching them. They were coming for them. There was war waged. And yet God, through Jehaziel, the first order of business is do not fear. Now, now watch this. King Jehoshaphat was afraid. He, he, this, is not, this is not talking about the, this, the subtle feeling of apprehension as more than this is talking about the immobilizing anxiety fear. When you're afraid, you can't see straight. You can't think straight. 
and they were about to receive some instructions that would challenge their apprehension. First and foremost, do not fear or be dismayed. Why? Because of this great multitude. Why? Why? Now watch this. He didn't say you're not in war. <laughs> he didn't say there's not a war. There's definitely a war. But he says the battle is not yours. You can be in a war and the battle not even be your, oh, you said, well, that's the same. No, war is conflict. Battle is how, is what war produces. Here they were, they were on their way to war, but not to battle. No, 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 no. See, here's the problem. We get nervous just by virtue of the conflict. But God is telling them through Jehaziel, listen, it is shown up for war. He says this in verse number one. The Bible says that there is a war, that they waged war, they made war. Verse number one of chapter 20. But he said, watch this. He says, don't be afraid for the battle is not yours, but God's. In other words, this is his fight. You got to know that it's his fight even when your hand is on the sword. It's always his fight. One of the attributes of God, one of the names of God, one of the titles of God, one of the designations of God, especially and particularly in the Old Testament, is Jehovah Shaboth. Jehovah Shaboth is a term that we might know better as the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts, that, that designation of God, let me help you with that. Uh, the Bible says he's the Lord str strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Psalms chapter 24, he says, who is this Lord? He is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. What is that? What that means is he's the Lord, the God of heaven's armies. But it doesn't just simply mean that he's the God of heaven's armies. It means that he's the God of every army that exists on earth. Which means like a divine majestic chess player, he puts the pieces in place so that victory can come about here or defeat can come about here or, 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 or even uh, a stalemate come about here. God is playing the pieces. I'm not saying that we don't have free will, but I'm saying that God is such the Lord of hosts that he's involved in the intricate battles of man. I've come to tell you, you've never faced a battle that God wasn't a part of. You've never had uh, been in a war that God was never a part of. Whether you battle in your health, whether you battle in your marriage, whether you battle in your finances, you have not yet to face the battle that God was not a part of. He says, this battle is not yours, but it's the Lord. Now watch this. Watch this. He's going to encourage them to go to the war. <laughs> watch this. Tomorrow, go down against them. He's still talking the language of war, even though telling them the battle's not yours. He says, go down against them. This is the language of war. This is the language of conflict. He says, go down against them. 
Not only does he say go down against them, behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not, again, you need not fight in this battle yourselves. Stand you and see the salvation of the Lord. Now watch this. Verse 18, let me get to it so we can land this plane. What do they do? This is a weird place for worship. Why is it a weird place for worship? Because in our generation, we are a people that sometimes use worship as a reaction. We have reactionary worship. Meaning when God does it, then we'll sing his praises. Uh, as a matter of fact, some of our, our, some of our, our doxology, some of our music even, even uh, can support this idea. We sing, I really love the Lord. I really love the Lord. I really love the Lord. And then there's a part of the song that says, you don't know what he done for me. It is a song that basically reacts to what God already did. That makes sense for worship and praise to be there. But, but here, there's a strange worship phenomenon going on. Let me tell you, the Bible says in verse number 18 that Jehoshaphat bowed with his head and his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. That word worshiping is saha. It's saha. It, 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 means, it means to prostrate yourself. So when, when they heard this, they prostrated themselves. What did they hear? Go down, go down to where they are. What was the situation? Nothing happened yet. Yet they prostrated themselves before the Lord. They, they, they fell down. And the Bible says in verse 19 that the Levites, the, the Levites, the Levites, you know, Jehaziel was a Levite. They were the leaders of worship from the sons of the Kohathites and of the sons of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel and they weren't quiet about it. See, usually the most intense worship in our time, the most intense worship in our reality today is worship after the surgery. I mean, that's when it gets loud. It's worship after the raise. It's, it's worship after the deliver. It's worship after you get a job promotion. It's worship after you find a better job. It's worship after your child comes home. It's worship. That's the, that's the time most people get loud. Every now and then when we were all meeting together, somebody would say, God is so good in my life. When they were singing that song, when they were doing this, uh, when they were singing that song, I'm telling you, I, all, man, I, was, I wanted to come out of my skin I mean I'm telling you God has just brought me so so this is a reflective thing this is reactive but no watch this they have loud and intense worship proactively meaning God ain't even done nothing they're worshiping not with a deed but just off of a word 
Can we worship off of a word? I mean, I know we can worship off of a performance of God, but can you worship off of a word of God? Not, not what he's done, but what he promises he will do. Can you worship off of a word? Or is, your, is that just a posture for a certain environment? See, one thing this is teaching us is it's teaching us not to relegate your passion of worship to an environment, but to have it on a personal level. It's a sad situation when people, especially when people who, who know better refuse to be encouraged. Refuse to be encouraged. It's an act of, it's a, it's a defiance of faithlessness. It says, I'm not moving on this. I'm not going to be encouraged on this. And I'm going to tell you something. We become a spoiled people of God where we even sit and we sit down as spectators. The singing is going on and we're evaluating the singing. God is doing something in this age. He's putting us in a situation where he takes our propensity to evaluate away and builds in us a propensity to participate. Because it's something affecting all of us. The Bible says to, they praised. Let, let, me, let, me, let me get to this. Let me get to this. Here they were. They were going down. The Bible says they rose up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, and the Bible says they had consulted with the people. He appointed those who sang. So watch this. He said, now watch this. We're going and worshiping, but where are you going? You're coming away from war? No, because that's when worship happened, usually. Because coming away from war says that you got the victory and you're excited about it. No, no, no. They're worshiping into war. And let me encourage, they're, no, don't miss this, they're worshiping into war. They put the singers in place and the praise leaders are in place. And they're leading, they're leading out the way. And the Bible says, and when he had committed, uh, consulted with the people in verse 21, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army. In other words, the people were led by worshipers. And I believe this is the age and this is the season where worship is going to change the atmosphere of our season. Worship will change the atmosphere of our season. If you want to know that what the devil knows, if you want to know or get a heads up on what the devil is concerned about, look at what he's attacking the most. Don't miss it. The enemy does not attack certain things unless those certain things pose a threat to him. He's not attacking Walmart. He's not attacking people gathering to get their nails done with social distancing and get their hair cut with social distancing. He's not attacking liquor stores. He's not attacking, he's not attacking uh, uh, malls and stores. Everybody is opening up. But guess what? Guess what he's really interested in? He's really interested in those who gathered for worship. Because nothing frustrates the enemy like people who worship God 
the way he wants them to worship him. Well, the Bible says that they do this and they begin singing and praising the Lord. Now, now I want you to see something in verse 22. We're almost done. When they began singing, when they, whoa, 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 look at the wind. Look at the wind. Watch the, in, watch the intentionality of the text. It didn't say, it didn't say suddenly. It did not, it did not say it so happened that. The Bible says when they began singing. Now, what now, now. Now, Mountain View, look at this, Mountain View, look at this. And, I'm, and every, anyone else who's joining, but, but I'm first talking to the Mountain View church. I'm talking to the saints of Mountain View. The devil has been trying your faith. He's been attacking your faith. He's been attacking your worship. I want you to look at what happens here. Pay very close attention. We are reading this aerially. This is an aerial experience for us. In other words, we're looking down into the narrative. <laughs> Don't miss this. We are reading from a panoramic view. We see that when they did this, when they worshiped, the Bible says that the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so they were struck down. Now, now, now watch this. This is what we see. The ones worshiping did not see what God was doing as they were worshiping. Let's not forget that. They weren't there to read God is setting up ambushes. The only thing they were doing was worshiping. And while they were worshiping, God was working. See, here's the reality. There is a narrative about us that we can't see. There's a narrative of something going on that we can't see. But when we put our hearts into praising God, not to manipulate God, but to stimulate God, Oh, I think I need to stop there. See, worship is not for the manipulation of God. Don't think you can worship your way to a better job as a manipulation. Well, maybe if I worship God, it'll get me this job. No, 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 no. They weren't trying to manipulate God. They already had the promise, and we already have the promises. But worship stimulates God. It stimulates God to act. It's kind of like whenever whenever I, I do something at home and uh, uh, here recently I had to fix some things and use my tools. <laughs> oh, why you guys say, oh, oh, what, what's, up, what, like, what's up with that? Like, for real, for real. But anyway, <laughs> I had to use my tools and baby girl would say, daddy, daddy, I know you can. I know you can do this. You can take this apart. You can take this apart and break this down so that we can take it out to the trash. And let me tell you something. As she was talking about what I can do, 
it stimulated me. Now, now, it wasn't manipulation. She wasn't saying this so that I can do it, but the fact that she was singing my praises did, did something. It stimulated me to show out. And if you want to see God show out, start worshiping him before you see him do anything. The Bible says, meanwhile, in a narrative they couldn't even see. And I'm here to tell you that right now, there's a narrative we don't see. Stop looking at the news. There's a narrative that only God knows. I'm not saying stop looking at the news indefinitely, but stop thinking that the news is the other narrative. There's a narrative that only God knows. There's something that God is doing in the invisible realm that you have no idea. And the more you worship is the more he works. There's worship and work and worship and work as you worship into war. The Bible says, I'm going to end this, that what God did as they were on their way to war, but not to battle. <laughs> the Bible says he, he messed up and confused and struck down the Moabites. Uh, I think we, we got to read this because this is the climax of this text. The climax of this text is in verse number 23. Go ahead and read. For the sons of Ammon and Moab, sons of Ammon and Moab, rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Zir. This is what God did. Destroying God them completely. God put confusion. He put disarray in the camp of the enemy. Here they were going to war, knowing they wouldn't have to do battle. And God is saying, I'm going to fight. But watch this. They were, watch this. They were not even going to see the fight. <laughs> the fight of God took place while they were worshiping God. Meanwhile, while they were on their way to the valley, the Bible says that God turned the Moabite army and the Ammonite army and the Mount Seir against each other. And they began to fight each other. And as they begin to fight each other, they begin to kill each other. And not a single one of them got away. And you know what happens? By the time Judah gets to the valley, the valley, the Bible says that everybody was already dead. They were gone. God says, I will fight. He says, the battle is not yours. Go to the war, but the battle is not yours. And God did it in such a way to where they didn't even see the fight. God will bless you. When, we, when you begin to take up the spirit of worship, God will bless you that you won't even see the fight. You'll just see the aftermath. You'll see the aftermath of the fight. And when they got there, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat looked around and the army looked around and the only thing that was left standing was the spoil. <laughs> no, no, no. The Ammonites were not standing. The Moabites were not standing. The only thing left standing was the spoil. You do know what the spoil is. The spoil is what 
the takeaway is of the battle. Which means they got to take away something from a battle they never fought. The only way to get the spoil under normal circumstances is you had to fight for. But God was so stimulated by their worship that they got to take away something from a battle they didn't even have to fight. God will bless you. And he will bless you outside of the, the rules of engagement. If we stimulate him in worship. Well, what happens is they get there and they notice that everybody is dead. The Bible says then in the fourth day, verse 26, we got we to gotta finish. We got to finish. I'm done. Then, so on the fourth, then on the fourth day, on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah. They assembled in the valley of Barakah. For there they blessed the Lord. Now watch this. God will make you change the definition of a valley. You know what a valley is? You know what a valley is. I mean, we're acquainted with the valley. Valley in, 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 in our culture and even just historically is iconic for places of defeat. When you're down in the valley, you're in the valley of your life, that's usually indicative of a bad place. It's indicative of a lonely place. It's indicative of a place uh, that, that, that's not so good. But the Bible says that, they, that they, they got to rename the valley. And only God can bless you to rename your valley. He, only God can bless you to rename your low place. Here you called it being broke, but God, but watch this, you usually thought it was being broke. But watch this, God will bless you to call that, that period saving money. You call it closed economy, but God will bless that, to, and you can call it saving, building your savings. God can take any valley and cause you to change the name of it when you focus on worshiping him. The reason why God is not working in some of our life is because we're not worshiping. Oh, we're coming, we're singing, we're doing things, but we're not worshiping. We, watch this. We're depending on the public setting. Public worship is intensified by private devotion. Here, they change it. One of the things this text says is they started taking up the spoil, and it, there was so much. Why was there so much? There was so much, watch this, because there were three nations, three armies coming up against one. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't, don't miss this. It was so much because there were three coming against one. On the front end, that was fearful. On the back end, it was prosperous. If it was one army coming against one, then there wouldn't be as much spoil. Sometimes the Lord will make the odds be against you, not for the actual battle but for the spoil's sake. And God will give you more enemies than you can shake a stick at. Only so that when the Lord makes your foes your footstool, you have enough footstool to go to the top. And here it is. They had three armies, and now they start collecting the spoil, and there was so much that it took them three days to collect the spoil. I'm here to tell you that I see Jesus. 
I see Jesus fighting the battle that we couldn't fight. And I see Jesus giving us a takeaway from the battle he fought one Friday evening on Calvary's rugged cross. I see him fighting sin. I see him fighting death. I see him fighting the grave as they take him off that cross and lay him in the tomb. We couldn't win that fight. But I see him fighting the battle, but guess what? He still invites us to the foot of the cross, even though his cross, it was his cross to bear. He invites us to the foot of the cross. And what is our takeaway? Oh, we get to, because Jesus won the battle, because Jesus won the battle, and we, as long as we worship into the war, get our takeaway is the spoil. And Ephesians chapter 4 says that Jesus led captivity captive. That's the language of a parade that would happen after they would win the battle and come back with the spoils of war. He took captivity captive and gave gifts to men. What is the takeaway? When Jesus died, I took away redemption. When Jesus died, I had a takeaway of, of justification. And because it was just too much, I had to go and set that aside and go get some more spoil. Because when he died on the cross, I had a takeaway of regeneration. And I had a takeaway of, of, uh, of sanctification. And I keep bringing the spoils of war. Why? Not because I fought, but because I worshiped into the war and let Jesus fight the battle. And now everything we have in Christ is because of his fight and not because of ours. God bless you this morning. Church, Mountain View, I'm going to tell you something. In this season, there will arise some strange spirits. Now, I, I didn't say strange people. I said strange spirits. And, and, and those strange spirits are likely to inhabit some unsuspecting bodies. Inhabit my body, it can inhabit your body, it can inhabit the body of any of the leaders, it can inhabit the body of wives or children. But just know that when we are in vulnerable places, voices change. I mean, I'm sure Job would have never, ever predicted that his wife and the harshness of his tribulation would say, are you still holding your integrity? Curse God and die. The enemy will use any voice. But no matter the voices of fear, you keep worshiping into war. Now, 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 I know this is different, a different way to worship, but keep worshiping. Well, I'm not used to doing it at home. Keep worshiping. That means, that means worship, right? But engage, right? Don't become lazy. And if you know if you were gathering here, you would get up at a certain time, keep getting up at the same time. The devil wants to, watch this, he can't, he can't kill you 
so, 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 so he wants to handicap you so that when this storm passes over, you're not walking with God the same way. You, you're, not, you're not holding your faith the same way. He wants, to, uh, he wants to cripple you if he can't kill you. And so uh, what I'm telling you is keep worshiping because it's the same God. Yeah, it's a new season, but it's the same God. And while you're worshiping, just trust that while you and I are being worshipers, and I'm not talking about on Sunday, I'm talking about keep watching the devotions, keep studying, keep growing in Christ. Don't feed yourself the news of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir all the time. They're telling you what they want you to hear. And I'm going to tell you something. There is a God of this world who wants to implement and plant seeds of fear and doubt. You just keep worshiping into the war. And meanwhile, there's a narrative going on that you don't know about about where God is working while you're worshiping. Hold on, change is coming. If you are not a child of God and you have not named the name of Jesus, I can't see how you can be in this season and not know Jesus. And not know Jesus for the pardon of your sins. If, 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 you, if you are interested, if you, we, we will have, a, whether it's Zoom or Facebook or or 12 inches, 12 feet away, we want to teach you, we want to connect with you because you need Jesus now more than ever before. The greater the uncertainty, the greater the urgency for, of your need of Jesus. That need needs to be met and we're ready to meet that need. If you need prayer for anything, put your prayer request down. Put your prayer request down. We have prayer counselors who are watching and watching the line and taking your prayer requests and don't get it twisted, you're being prayed for. This is not a situation where somebody says, I'll pray for you and then goes about their day. You're actually being prayed for. You're being talked to God about. Just put your prayer request down. I know some of you have loved ones. Maybe you lost somebody in this season. Maybe there's somebody close to you who's sick. And I'm not even talking about COVID-19. Let me tell you something. Uh, again, I'm going to say this again. Everybody's talking about COVID-19 and people still getting shot. Police are still getting shot. Uh, brutality is still going on. Injustice is still going on. The world, watch this, the world took a quick pause. But sin began moving again, and it's rebuilding back its momentum. Everything that was going on before is still going on. Don't become so paranoid of COVID that you run from COVID and, and run from COVID to a heart attack. Don't run from a lion just to be chewed up by a bear. Run to God and run to him today. God bless.